Well, good morning. I'm glad to see you this morning, and thank you for being here. And as Micah said, if you're from all over the country and all over the world, either right here or online, thank you for being with us today. We are continuing our summer series on uh, uh, summer trips, and this week is Let's Go Camping. Now, that, uh, that phrase uh, can conjure up a lot of different pictures in our minds. For some, it, it means tents and sleeping bags and lanterns and campfires around lakes and rivers and maybe up a mountain. And, uh, but uh, for some, you're thinking, why in the world would you even want to do that? Uh, and your idea of camping may be in a really large RV uh, that, uh, that is air-conditioned, that you pull into your spot, you press a button, it levels up, your satellite comes up, finds the signal, the slide-outs go out, and you're within five minutes sitting there with a glass of tea watching a TV show. Uh, and you can see through a window and you can see water. All right, how many of you like tents? I'm a tent guy. How many of you like the RV? Yeah, you can tell the general age of this crew. As you get older, that ground gets harder, doesn't it? Uh, with that. But, uh, or you could be like my uncle. Uh, I was telling him we were camping one time. We'd gone on wilderness trek and climbed a mountain. He was asking me about it. I said, it sound like fun to you? He said, my kind of camping is in the, is in a hotel, in a Hilton hotel. I like to camp in the Hilton. Uh, there, when we talk about, uh, let's go camping, it, again, it pulls up a lot of different pictures. We're going to spend a little bit today talking about summer camp. Uh, we are, as we said earlier, we're in our 48th year of Camp Chioka, and over a thousand kids will come through those grounds uh, over the next, uh, within this this month, a uh, month and a half, uh, and that is great. Over a thousand last year, over a thousand this year, and it's been an amazing journey. Uh, and I know uh, a lot of you are here that uh, were here when that place was formed and volunteered your time and um, and and did uh, a lot of work out there and, and used your labor and hands. I remember Don DeLuke telling me I, cut, I had to hand cut some of the boards for these buildings because we didn't have electricity down here yet. Uh, so I really do appreciate you there. I think it was Miss Lori Bumgardner said she used to cut the cabbage in the in the in the kitchen, and, uh, and I was like, well, you know, it, it, it was a, a service that that a lot of people went in and did uh we just finished our high school uh well first of all how many of you uh went to summer camp maybe not camp chioka but but went to summer camp or have sent your kids to camp in your uh, at some point yeah it is a that's a large majority of you and it does change a life we just finished up our high school session and i'm going to ask you guys to do something if you went to this high school session they do not know that this is happening so I'm sorry, but it was Lindy's idea. So uh, if y'all would stand up, if you went to high school session, and if you're in the audience who went to high school session, if you would walk down here and join them real quick. Okay, if you're sitting with your family or something, go down there and join them. Uh, and y'all stand up, stand up, and, and counselors too, uh, stand on up, and turn uh, and face this audience here. And we're going to sing a song. Yeah, now you're nervous. We're going to sing a song that, uh, Lainey, you can come on down here and join them, it'd be great, that we sang uh, during our, our high school session, and we're going to sing Magnificat. So, uh, and it is a soprano lead, I believe, and I am not a soprano. So, uh, belt out, because this is a barn, 
And whenever y'all are ready, we're going to sing that song for you guys. Thank you guys for letting us put you on the spot there. Uh, they sounded like angels every night at uh, campfire and at lakeside when we would sing. And we sang and sang and sang, did we not? It was good. And that's part of our tradition, part of a heritage that just that this church has that poured into camp. Many agree that going to camp uh, during the summer, as thousands of do every summer, have shaped who they are as a child of God and influence their spiritual lives in very significant ways. We like to call it anchor points, where we're anchoring people in. Uh, their souls are anchored into the, into the gospel and into relationships with others. And whenever, whenever the storms on top start to wave us around, our souls are anchored somewhere and we can pull back to God and His people uh, when they're difficult. If you came to camp, you have a camp story. Uh, early on, I heard about Marge Moran and a, and, a, and a cow tongue. I'm not sure where that came from or what really happened there, but if you knew Marge Moran and a cow tongue, oh my goodness. One that, that, uh, Lloyd Williams talked about was, uh, early days of camp when he was the director and he's trying to make a good showing out here and had some officials in. I'm sure this was not an embellished story at all, uh, with Lloyd and, and, uh, sitting judge, district judge was there and they were walking out. And about that time, Howard Carbo and Starla Bunn, or Starla Smith then, come out and she's holding her head in shame. So it must be true. Uh, giving each other wet willies. And uh, 
So what an impression Starla made. That's great, Starla. The, uh, <laughs> so, you know, if you have a, if you have a story, if you've been to camp, you have a camp story. Six years ago, Spencer Carroll, who has uh, been working here with us for about three years now, uh, his camp story began. And uh, Spencer, come on up. He's going to take a, a few minutes here and share his camp story with us. In that time, he's been a camp counselor, a Bible teacher, uh, an assistant director, all the time serving with us here as a, uh, doing his youth internship and also teaching Bible out at OCS. He's had a full, <laughs> full number of years and is doing uh, great. And uh, don't want to get too far into his story, but I want to pray for you right now. Father, it is a, an honor to stand beside uh, a great young man uh, who has dedicated his life to uh, being uh, uh, your servant and to, to working in your kingdom. Now, I ask that you be with him. Uh, it's kind of scary standing in front of you, uh, in front of your own, uh, your own home sometimes, and, uh, and be with him as he shares. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, just to start things off, I, um, most of you won't believe this, but growing up, I was the quiet, shy, introverted kid. Uh, I was very uh, recluse. I kept myself. My parents um, said that you could put me somewhere. You never heard a peep out of me. Um, that clearly has changed, um, and the camp was a large portion of that. But to stand in front of you today, that, that oldness in me comes back every now and then. Those guys, I can handle them. I can get wild and crazy, and then I get up here, and I get shy and shudder. But after doing round one, round two shouldn't be that bad. I'm going to start out today with just uh, really, I guess, where my walk began, and that was my church home. I mean, obviously, just like all of you who grew up in your church homes, they played a huge part in who you become, and mine did the same. And I, all my life, I remember going to church. And when I was in sixth grade, September 12, 2001, I was baptized. I've always debated the idea, though, of rebaptism because of the struggles I faced after. But the thing is, I don't know that's ever really played a part in my walk. Because what I remember is the words that were said, the people that were there. I remember the church itself. I mean, I can I could sit here and paint you a picture of, of what it looked like that night. But what I remember most is the confession I made. However, that day, I knew who my Savior was, and I've never forgotten that. But what I have forgotten, or I guess maybe not forgotten but ignored, was the salvation I'd been given. I think so often we do that. We, we, we know who our Savior is, and we're there, and we got it. We just forget. And so my story picks up from there. Because of this ignorance, I allowed my home life, which was full of abuse, the unknown, and fear, to cloud even more what my Savior could really do for me. I searched for things to fill the holes that these things were forming in my heart. I struggled with self-worth, depression, alcohol, self-esteem, and purity. Most of all, though, and probably the worst thing uh, as I walk my walk today, is the mask I wore. And that's the thing I liked least. I hid all these things. I was hiding all these things from the world around me. I was considered the Christian young man. I was a leader, responsible, and loved by most. What I couldn't shake was the idea that no one really knew who I was, which continued to fuel the struggles I already had. As I know a lot of you know, I was caught in a circle I could not shake. 
As I shared with my freshman at OCS this year, as I was covering the Sermon on the Mount, it gets to the portion where he's talking about good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit and what becomes of those trees. And I think God was putting a, a, a message into my life at such a young age. My junior year, I come home from school and I was, I was hungry. My mom had put out some apples and, and I was looking at them and I go over and I pick the one that looks the best. You know, that, that, that bright red apple and you pick it up and you look for those spots because you don't want to bite in and find a worm and things like that. And then you, you feel of it because if it's, you know, a little squishy, you might not want to get that one. You might want to go to another one. It was perfect. It was firm. It was solid. It looked great. So I took a huge bite into this apple. I took the bite, chewing it, brought it down, and I look, and the whole inside core was rotten. And I think God then was trying to tell me something. I think God then was trying to deliver a message. There were no holes, no blemishes. Nothing looked wrong on the outside. But somehow, that fruit was rotten at the core. My belief is, though, it's not always good to focus on the past. Learn from it and move on. And that's what I want to do today. What I'm here to tell you is how I got to camp, what camp has meant, and what it means now. I cannot tell you why I decided to go to Harding University. With the struggles I had and the things I was doing, I don't know why God kept putting that in my mind. I guess maybe I was desiring more. I was desiring to, to fix and to, to, to fill that, that inner void. But I went. I don't know why. Now I have debt. That's okay. You know, God provides, and he has. He has provided great things. But I went to Harding University. And when I got there... I was not that shy person anymore. Um, somewhere around 10th grade, I came in singing a song, and my classmate looked at me and goes, you can talk? Yes, yes, I can. I can actually talk. Um, by junior year, I was out doing things. In senior year, I was a lot more of who you see today. But with this new personality and going into a new place, I recluse back. I was, I was scared. I didn't want to put myself out there. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Because I didn't, I joined a small group there, uh, one of the social clubs, and in doing that, I met Josh Kellett, um, Mike and Susan's son, and, and we became uh, good friends throughout my freshman year. It was his senior year there, and, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. And it's through that friendship and some other bad things that happened, just that I was looking at some other jobs, didn't get them. I was wanting to apply to these places. They weren't looking, and all I knew is I didn't want to go home. Didn't want to go home. Well, Josh heard me talking about this, and he said, Hey, you need to come out to Calhoun, Louisiana. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> what, Calhoun? He's like, yeah, it's over by Monroe. Where's Monroe? <laughs> Drive south. Once you're out of Arkansas, go by another hour. You're there. Okay. I can honestly say it's not my first choice. It was not my first choice, and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. To the point that I went ahead and applied because I knew I didn't want to go home. Met with David. He came in, interviewed all of us Harding people, and got the job. The night before I'm supposed to leave to come down here, uh, one of my buddies from Harding had come in. Two others were going to meet us the next morning and drive. We were going to drive down together. And I wake up in the middle of the night just sick. Sick as a dog. Head in the toilet, all of it. Why? I did not want to come. I don't, I don't feel like I can get that across. 
I think the reason I did is because I had three other people I was supposed to drive down. And so I did. And I'm glad I did. But here's the other thing. I didn't do outdoors back then. I was not an outdoors guy. I didn't do sports. I'm not a sporty guy. You can ask the kids, they'll tell you. He's not that athletic. (laughs) Have me do some weird challenge? I'm good. Regular sports, not so much. And the one thing I really didn't do back then was heat. (laughs) Not that good at it now, but I didn't do heat. But there's something about camp. So what does camp mean? That's what got me there. It was a series of events that I didn't want to do it, I didn't want to go, but God kept putting it there. Here's a little thing I decided what camp means. C. C stands for crazy hot. We've already covered that one. It gets really hot out there. A stands for always sweating. If you've ever been to camp while I'm out there, or probably any of you are out there, you're always sweating. Man, we talked about it. I, I came in, Emma Jenkins, wherever you are, I came in and she gave me a hug. And, and I was like, it's nice to get a clean hug, isn't it? Because typically we're all covered in sweat. M. M stands for maintenance, which really means just cheap to free labor. <laughs> you get out the hair and, you know, staff can attest to this. Half of staff training consists of learning how to deal with children. The other half consists of working and cleaning. Um... But M is for maintenance. And P is for pain. Now, this one you're like, what are y'all doing out there that's so painful? I don't think it's necessarily something we're doing. But uh, for me, uh, I, really, I really wanted, once I was there, I, I just wanted to jump in. I just wanted to, to put the, the ease to the side and just jump in. And that I did. They said, hey, we're going to play this game. It's called Nitty Gritty. I'm like, Nitty gritty, like what? Are we going to clean the oven? Like I, I didn't know what was about to happen. I'm like, no, we're going to call it something. You got to run and put it in the hula hoop. Okay, sounds simple enough. And then like, but if it bounces out, it doesn't count. Okay, fine. Here we go. And they're like ping pong ball, and I'm like, run. If it bounces out, it doesn't count. So to stop myself, I did a nice classic baseball slide. Back then, the gym floor was carpet. I'm just grateful it wasn't what we have today that we affectionately call the cheese grater. <laughs> but I can tell you this. I had a carpet burn from just below my knee to just above my ankle. That then got perpetuated that during high school week, I rolled my ankle and fell into a gravel pit and ripped open what was already showing. Not only that, I discovered these things called chiggers or red bugs. There are pictures out there in the world where I have orange fingernail polish all over my legs because that's what someone had, and I hear it helps. I think they just wanted to speckle me, but it's... Not only that, I also learned how to dive that summer. I dove in, and and I leveled out. I did level out. But the pool doesn't necessarily level out. It does this. So you go in, and you level out. What they don't tell you is you've got to start to go up with the pool. Kind of mark here, mark here. My nose just kind of went over. Camp. No, but really, camp's great. (laughs) 
You ask Lindy Loveland, she will tell you that she was convinced I was never coming back. But despite the pain and despite the hot and the work and the sweat, there's way more that goes on out there. What my C really stands for is community. Camp is a place where a group of believers can be around one another and have forced fun. Forced fun. It's great. Energizers. Everybody up. Everybody, find a partner and go play Steal the Bacon. Hey, get up and dance these kids' songs. Yeah. No, it's great. Because what it does is it's a shared moment. What it does is it puts us together. And what it allows us to do is we work together, we play together. We laugh together, we cry together, we grow together. We pray for one another in times of death or ill health. We congratulate one another with new life, both physical and spiritual. Or when two lives become one. Community, based off what I found on Google, because that's what my generation does, you know, everything's on Google is a group of people living in the same place or a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So you put us in the same place where we have like attitudes, interests, and goals. You're going to get something special. I can say the people in the community at camp have a common attitude towards Christ a common interest in seeking Christ, and a common goal to walk the walk Christ walked, to someday be with him in eternity. I developed friendships and found mentors in David Bromley and Rick Fortenberry. I developed friendships with co-counselors Samantha Watts and Echo Sutterfield that then grew even closer as we moved up the ranks together and were led under the guidance of several of the directors, Danny and David, Chris, Lindy, and Missy. Even more so the campers. And you, you as parents and grandparents, you understand this greatly. They teach us more than we think we teach them. All the time. All the time. And y'all have taught me so much out there. And I thank y'all for it. I could go on and on with names of people, from the Mays family to camper after camper. I've been blessed with this new community, and a better word I would like to use is even family that grew every summer. I'm blessed to have worked with you and your children, and if I had time, I really would name all of you. A is for anchor. Another big aspect to camp is the anchor it became in my life. All I can say is that life is hard. Fall of sophomore year, I had planned to come down to visit everybody after the camp session before, uh, but my dad asked me to stay back and help him work on a pump house. It's not a big deal. I was used to that stuff. Um, but while we're there and while we're working, he drops the bomb that he's decided to leave my mom. And this is sophomore year of college. You know, hey, you're older. You can handle it. No one can ever handle that. I don't think there's an age in which you can look at your parents and say, I'm okay with this. I don't think there's an age in which you can look and say, that's all right. So I plastered the smile on my face that I was so used to carrying for so long, finished the work, and spent the four hours driving down, really trying to figure out what had just happened. And it wasn't soon after I arrived that David had already noticed something was wrong and started questioning him about it. Now here's the deal. I know that wasn't literally at camp, but in a way it was. You see, because of camp, I had someone in community or family that was there for me when the rough times hit. 
Not only did, did uh, camp become an anchor in that, but it changed my, my walk. I was planning to be a psychologist as I entered college. But after that first summer, God was telling me to be more actively active in kids' lives. And so I went back and I changed my major to education. Not only that, because of the joy I found in camp and I didn't want to miss it, I, and some of you are going to be like, you're crazy. I canceled my three-month stay in Italy that I had signed up for through Harding because camp became something that was so anchoring and so important for me. It gave me a place to anchor in, try new things, and most importantly, go, grow deeper in my faith. The best thing about an anchor point is you can always go back to it. It was for maturity. As I've touched on some, camp is a place where you can mature. I've grown in so many ways. Camp can teach you how to spend many weeks with the same 30 people. It can teach you how to play silly games. It can even teach you how to hide in the bathroom away from your campers. It happens from time to time. That's why we have about three per cabin. Rotate the bathroom. But in all actuality, camp teaches you more. How to forgive. How to love. How to see God in the little things. And how to unplug and be there and present with God. My knowledge of God matured, but most importantly, he matured my thoughts. And that's not about the knowledge you have, but it's how you apply the knowledge you have. You can go and study all you want to. But if you don't live it, it's nothing. Camp is a place that is cultivated to bring about the maturity for those who are seeking. Or as David says, bring a shovel and dig a little deeper. P is for presence. Last but not least... Camp is about being in the presence of God. Through my whole time out there, I don't think there's ever a time that I didn't see God working in someone and somebody in some way. From spiritual activity to spiritual activity to all-night prayer sessions that I've shared with many of you, a spirit moves. And I believe the spirit moves for many reasons. One is another saying that David always says, that, that camp is 100 acres of holy. And I believe that. But most importantly, and I haven't confessed this until this year, but I've always believed that when the wind blows at Camp Chioka, it's the Spirit moving through a body of believers. That's what it is. Camp. The reason camp works, the reason that camp worked for me is I didn't let my fears hold me back and I allowed God to orchestrate a plan that I didn't necessarily want. Who was I? What was camp for me? And where am I going? I know I am going to Texas. And the funny thing about that is, is I never wanted to go. But the funny thing about being here is I never wanted to be here. I mean, in all honesty, when I was in high school, I said, I'm not moving further south. After college, I don't care as long as I don't move further south. Well, I'm from Arkansas, guys. <laughs> I moved further south. But once I got here, I was cool with it. I was really cool. And what I said then was, as long as I don't go to Texas, I really don't want to go to Texas. My forwarding address will be Lubbock, Texas. Feel free to write me. So I learned very quickly to not say where I didn't want to go, shut my mouth, and let God work. Even if you think you've done the wrong thing or have the wrong idea, He's still working. And the great thing is, is, well, through the pain, the discomfort, the sweat, the work, comes the hugs, the tears, 
and the joy and the sorrow, the growth of one believer and another who are all striving to seek God. I leave this place with a family. I leave this place with somewhere I can always come back to. I leave this place greater than who I was, not because of what I did, but because of what God did through you. And I leave this place with understanding I will always be in the presence of God and that no matter the trails that I take, I will someday cross camp trails with you again in heaven. Thank you. Spencer will, uh, will be moving to Lubbock to go to Sunset School of Preaching uh, in about a month, be there for two years, then he'll sing that Mac Davis song that everybody sings when they leave Lubbock, Happiness is Lubbock, Texas, in my rearview mirror. <laughs> so uh, we're proud of you, and you've done well. Thank you very much. You know, the camp, uh, what happens at camp is, not, is a lot like what happened in the first century. In the book of Acts, whenever Peter preaches the first gospel sermon and 3,000 people are baptized, at the end of Acts, there's this really neat verse, section of Scripture. It says, they, those who accepted the message and were baptized, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know, just that verse right there just encapsulizes what happened in the first century with the believers And it really does encapsulize what happens every year at camp, whether it be here or other places. First of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We firmly believe and practice Paul's statement in 2 Timothy 3 when he said that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe that at camp. And we believe that here and, and practice that. At camp, we want to pour into our campers God's word so that their lives can be, have the information and the foundation to be formed into his image. It's been a lot of different things through the years. In the early days, they had church service every night and the ladies had to wear dresses. Thank goodness they don't have to do that anymore. Isn't that right? And, uh, but to the, these days, we do morning quiet times. We do Lakeside Bible where uh, we teach and, re- and, and, and share testimonies. We do Cabin Bible where they go off in the woods with a Bible teacher and they break down Scripture and get to know one another and, and, and how that is applied to their life. Spiritual activities where they experience the Scripture and what God is doing. Campfire where singing like this occurs in an exponential way. And, and then Cabin Devotionals where they're just sharing that time with each other. All these things aimed at speaking God's word into our campers' lives. The other thing it says, into, into the fellowship. The idea in the text is participation in one another's lives. All of our activities are designed to participate with each other. From the cabin that, the, that they're staying in, to their activity groups, to whatever is happening, their KP and maintenance groups, is to interact and participate Three people in our wedding, mine and Karen's wedding, were camp friends. And two of them are still sweating and bringing their family with them, still sweating with us out there uh, to this day. 
also says to the breaking of bread. And, and the idea here is that table fellowship. Whenever you're together and you share a meal, sitting around a dinner table, it's something that doesn't happen as much as it used to. The idea of hospitality maybe is not practiced like it was a while back, but there's something whenever you put your feet underneath somebody's table and you look at somebody while you're sharing a meal together, something spiritual happens. We do that three times a day. And it is, I tell you, probably the loudest time at camp. That mess hall is never quiet and there's laughter and there's talking and there's connections that are happening. Why? Because we're breaking bread together. And, and, and if you're not careful and you have your elbows on the table on Thursday, you'll have to be sung to and run around the mess hall. Or you may be called out for an attitude check. But the main thing is that there is that breaking of bread that connects us together in hospitality. Then there's prayer. We, we have our staff come in a week before the campers. And we, we bathe them in prayer. We go around to each one and we pray over them individually. For their work and for God to do great things. And then we all get together and we, we walk the whole grounds, the whole hundred acres, and we pray over everything that we walk by for, for your children and grandchildren and, and everything that happens there. And then we involve with our middle school and our high school session, uh, uh, all camp prayer session, where they go with their cabins and they pray for whatever, for however long. And every year that we've been a part of all that, that, for as long as I can remember, it's happened. And there's always every year that's a turning point where the battle for, for, for our minds and our attitudes and our souls begins to turn. You can see a difference in your Bible class. You can see a difference in the singing whenever that happens. And we are devoted to that. So what does that mean? What is the let's go camping challenge for us? I'm too old for camp. I don't like camp. And that's okay. Some people don't like chiggers and heat. Uh, but I don't either. But, <laughs> but what is the let's go camping challenge? You see, camp is less about a place and more about what happens with God's people. My dear friend, Sean Mays, who's here with us from Tulsa and was helped do a lot of the spiritual stuff this week, challenged us last Saturday. He said, press in. Press into what you're doing here at camp this week. And that is the, that is the let's go camping challenge. Whatever is happening here at this congregation or whatever congregation you're at, you press into it. You involve yourself in it. It is what happens at camp, the growth, the un, being unplugged into focusing strongly spiritually on things needs to happen not just one, one week a year at a remote location, but happens every day of our life. And that happens when we press into what's being offered, whether it be re-engage, whether it be a house church, whether it be celebrate recovery, whether it be a men's group on Monday mornings at seven o'clock over here, whether it be a step study on Wednesday night, whether it be the food pantry, whether it be, uh, I've got them written down, but I don't know where I'm at in my notes. All these things that we do here. Heartfelt, whatever it is, authentic manhood, press into it. Nothing will happen if we sit back and are spectators and don't engage. We press in. And then we do that. God does great things. It sets us up to be blessed in ways that we never could have. Think about it. If there's something that's not going on that you think, boy, that could happen here, then let's make it happen. Come talk to us. Because at one time, everything I just listed 
didn't exist. There was not a ministry that it was a ministry that wasn't even there. And somebody said, what if we did this and now it's happening? You may be the next ministry leader for something that's going to bless many people. As we said, camp is less about the place and more about what is experienced with God and his people. And when we devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word, to practicing hospitality with one another, to fellowship and to prayer with God's people, it sets us up and puts us in a position for God to move in great ways. That is the let's go camping challenge to press in to the ministry that God has set out for us. That is started by embracing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that God became flesh, that he died on a cross, that he pressed into this world and engaged us. And then, and then he rose from the dead pressing out of the grave to give us hope beyond. And he lives for us right now. That's that message that is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. And the Bible says when we turn to that, we bet our eternity on it, turn towards it and make Jesus the Lord of life and reenact that in baptism. That is when we become that child of God to shine brightly and live courageously in this world. If that message speaks to you, There is an opportunity. Mike said at the beginning, we're going to hit you again at the end. This is where we're hitting you again at the end. We've already had a couple do it this morning. We can have more. And if you're so inclined, won't you do that while we stand and sing?